Jesus barely took a breath between last week's story about ten bridesmaids and this week's story about three servants. Your Bible might have a heading or a space between the two, but not in Jesus' original manuscript. These twin stories share the same DNA. In fact, they are Siamese twins. We can't have one without the other. As we heard last week, the story of the ten bridesmaids call us to watch for Jesus' return. This story calls us to serve him and others until his return. As Jesus shared the story, those who heard it could see it play out. The boss came out of the house to search the ground for his three most loyal employees. He was carrying a briefcase in one hand and a suitcase in the other. And when he found his workers, he asked one of them to load the luggage onto the wagon while he opened the briefcase. These daily wage servants' mouths dropped. They had never seen so much money. One talent alone was valued at 20 years' worth of salary, and eight talents were laying just an arm's length away. Now, maybe their boss was just bragging, but that wasn't like him. He was firm, but he was fair. He cared for the guys who cared for him and his work. He lifted out five talents and called his first servant by name. He was the kind of kind master who knew his workers' names. As the first servant stepped forward, the boss handed him five talents. This is going to take care of him for a hundred years. Pretty good retirement. He reached in again, lifted two talents, and called the name of the second servant. Not quite as generous as the first, but still more than enough to carry him and his family through their retirement. Finally, he reached in the bag a third time, picked up the one remaining talent, still worth 20 years of wages, and called the last servant. He handed it to him, smiled at all three, and walked away. They held the retirement in their hands as he climbed into the chariot. The driver snapped the reins, and in a moment, he was gone. Jesus said the master intentionally left his servants immediately as they held their money in their hands. But before they quit their jobs and went on a spending spree, they understood, guys, this money's not ours. It belongs to the boss. He earned it, and he's free to do with it whatever he wants, but they are not. They need to do with the boss's money what the boss wants them to do. And I'm going to introduce you to all four of our characters on Scripture stage right after this. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You are listening to L.J. Harry, and you are listening to One Boss, Three Servants, and Fistfuls of Cash on Simplify. Okay, let's get the easy, obvious one out of the way. The boss is Jesus. And the talents, they are the gifts he gives. Before we think any of the gifts we have are ours, we must remember they belong to God. We don't deserve more than we have, and we shouldn't be mowing anybody for having more than we have. All of the gifts God gives, gifts to sing, to preach, to teach, to administer, to build, to easily make friends, to easily make money, to work with our hands, to work with our minds, all of the gifts, they belong to God. And all the other gifts God gives, like our house, our cars, our food, our clothes, well, those belong to God before he gave them to us. And all the other, other gifts God gives, like every prayer meeting, every service, every message, every sermon, every lesson, every altar call, every time the mercy and the power of God have combined to bless us, those are all gifts God has given. And God is asking for a return on his investment when he returns. Now, let's meet our first servant. He was savvier than most. He wore expensive suits and sipped coffee with brokers and bankers. 
He followed the market closely to know which crops were bumper crops, which caravans sold them at the lowest price, which merchants bought them at the highest price. One day, he'll probably run the business. The boss confidently gave his trusted servant five talents because he trusted him to invest the money and give back more than he was given. And he did. He traded, bartered, bought, sold. He earned five more talents. That's a 100% interest rate. It's hard to do better than that. When his master returned, his servant would hand over 10 talents, nearly 200 years worth of wages. Even if he ate celery all day and worked out eight days a week, that's still going to last him all the way through retirement. The second servant was savvy, but he was different. He was more manual labor. While his stockbroker servant friend had smooth hands and wore expensive suits, he had calloused hands and wore work boots. His fingernails were filthy from driving the plow, but he was good at what he did. He knew what seeds to plant and when to plant them. And he carried his two talents into town, bought as many seeds as two talents could buy. Then he came home and planted them right when the time was right. He drove his oxen hard and himself harder. At harvest time, he drove his bumper crops to the market, sold them for exactly double what he spent. Again, a 100% return on his investment. When he finished counting his fistfuls of cash, he counted four talents, double what he was given. His work was different from the first servant, but just as valuable. He was given less, he gained less, but Jesus didn't paint him as bitter or resentful. Rather, he was grateful to have the opportunity to invest his master's money and gladly give him a return. Now we meet our third servant. He just stood there and watched his two friends run into the marketplace to make more money for their master. Now one talent is still worth 20 years worth of paychecks. Surely there's something he can do to invest his master's money and give him a return when he returns. But this guy was different from the first two. He's not a risk taker. He carried around an umbrella whenever he walked around, just in case it rained. And Jesus drew this servant in greater detail than the first. Maybe Jesus spent more time on him because most of us identify with him. We're just ordinary people doing ordinary jobs. Abraham Lincoln said, God must love the common people because he made so many of them. But this guy has options. He's still got 20 years worth of wages in his hands. He, he could open up a lemonade stand. Ah, but wait a minute. What if he sliced his hand cutting the lemons? How about a chariot wash? No, what if it rains and nobody wants their chariot washed? <laughs> it's a good thing he's got his trusty umbrella. So he walked over to the shed, found a shovel, and dug a hole deep enough to bury the talent. He didn't want to do anything with it, but he didn't want anybody to take it either. He covered it back up, went back to work. He's pretty pleased to be living so safe. He, he may not have gained, but at least he didn't lose. Now, these servants probably had a few questions, and you probably do too. Why this sudden act of generosity? Where's the boss going? When is he coming back? Why did I get more than him? Why did I get less than her? Does that guy always carry an umbrella? Lots of questions, few answers. But Jesus said he gave each servant according to each servant's ability. He didn't underestimate the first servant by giving him too little, but neither did he overwhelm the second by giving him too much. When you see people who have more talent than you do, don't be jealous or resentful. Be grateful. Jesus knows what we can handle, so he won't underestimate us by giving us too little or overwhelm us by giving us too much. 
That might be honesty, might be humility, probably a bit of a blend of both, but very few of us would claim to be a five-talent servant. These are the people who can crochet, play the trombone, ride a unicycle, drop a transmission, and make a key lime pie that would make your lips pucker and eyes water. And abundantly talented people can do all that at the same time. They've not met a puzzle they can't solve or an instrument they can't play. They are gifted. Now, more of us would claim to be two talent servants. God's given us a few talents. We can't do as much than the first guys and gals, but we can do more than most. But most of us would raise our hands to be a one-talent servant. God has given us the ability to do one thing and to do it well. Maybe it's mechanics or construction or cooking or sewing. Maybe it's singing or preaching or accounting or farming. Whatever gift, whatever gifts God gave you, use the gifts he gave you to give glory to him. This parable points out there is room for five-talent servants, two-talent servants, and, thank God, for one-talent servants in the kingdom of God. Their boss was away a while, but one day without warning, he returned. The chauffeur pulled past the front door, parked between the pillars, and the servants came out to greet their boss. It would have been easier to keep the sun from shining than to keep the first servant from smiling. He practically needed a wheelbarrow to carry the ten talents. It brought him so much joy to see his master so pleased. His boss put his arm on his shoulder, smiled, and said, You, you did great. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The second servant stepped up with his dirt-covered hands full, two talents in one hand, two talents in the other. He said, Sir, you gave me two talents. I worked hard. I earned you two more. And just like he did for the first servant, he put his hand on his second servant's shoulder and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And now, our third and final friend. He was far less gleeful than the first two. He held the one talent in both hands to make it look like he had more, but the boss knew better. He stumbled through an excuse. He said, come, come on, boss, you're... You know you're not the easiest guy in the world to work for. I, I, I was afraid I'd lose the only one talent you gave me, so I played it safe. You know me. I buried it in the backyard. I didn't invest it, but I didn't lose it. So here you go. And his boss was livid. He reminded the third servant of his own words. You know me. You know I'm not the easiest guy in the world to work for. So why didn't you at least take this talent to the bank just to draw some interest? And then the boss commanded, take that one talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. Now, before we have a chance to ask, how's come? Jesus gave us the because. Matthew 25 reads, For to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes! That doesn't sound like Sunday school Jesus. That sounds unfair. The ten-talent servant has enough. But Jesus let us know what matters to him. It's not what we have or how much. He cares about what we do with what we have. 
He didn't give us all the gifts he gave us just to make us happy and comfortable. He gave us all the gifts he gave us that we could use them in some way to bring glory to God. If he gave you a huge, sprawling house, praise God for it. But why don't you use it to have a small group in your house so you can glorify God with it? If he gave you a vehicle, praise God for it, especially if it has seven seats. But if it's just you and the missus driving to church on Sunday mornings, and there are five empty seats that are filled with McDonald's bags, why don't you clear out the McDonald's bag and ask God, whom can I bring to church so they can know you like I'm blessed to know you? If God only gave you one talent, he doesn't expect you to bring back five. He expects you to take the one talent he gave you, invest it to glorify him and bless his kingdom. If he gave you two, then use both of them for his glory. And if you're one of those very fortunate lads or ladies to whom he gave five talents, be thankful and use every one of those talents to point people to Jesus, not just to you. He did not give you those to make a name for yourself. He gave you those so you could make his name great and so others would see and hear him, not just you. There is great joy in glorifying God and using every gift he has given us to glorify him and make disciples for him. No matter if you're a one, a two, or a five, let's pray for God to use you and the gifts he gave you to bring glory to him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for how good you are. You have abundantly blessed us with gifts we do not deserve. We have not merited them in any way, but in your grace you have given them to us. Thank you for that. Thank you for all those who practice and work hard and hone and skill those skills and those gifts. Thank you for that. I pray, help us all to use the gifts you have given us, no matter what they are, to bring glory to you and make disciples for you. Help us, Jesus, to be working, to be serving you and others until you return. I long and look forward to the day when you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. So in the meantime, help us to indeed be good and faithful by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to click subscribe so you can know every time an episode drops. And be sure to click share so you can share these episodes with anybody you feel like might be blessed by them. I've got abundantly great news. Just this past week, we crossed over the 90,000 download threshold. I'm so excited about that. We are closely, fast approaching 100,000 downloads. So please do be sure to share this podcast so others can be blessed by it. I've got a couple of resources. If you're a faithful, loyal listener, you'll probably remember these resources. But I have a couple books I have available on pentecostalpublishing.com and on Amazon. They're available for Kindle on Amazon, or they're available if you live in this Knox County, Mount Vernon, Ohio area. You can pick them up at our charming bookstore, Paragraphs at the corner of South Main and East Ohio. One's called Simplify, which launched the podcast, and the other one is 10 Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments. One's a devotional, and one's more of learning what the Bible has to say about the Ten Commandments, what it meant for them, what it means for us, and how we live those out. Both of those are available. And then I am, just a kind of little teaser here, I am working on a third book. Hopefully we'll have it in the works here pretty soon. And it is going to be a book on the Beatitudes and what Jesus meant when he told us what he told us in Matthew chapter 5. So just to kind of give you an idea that that is indeed in the works. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called The Banquet. I love to eat, and so this should be fun. 
I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.